All right, so here's the deal. So we've done a couple of these before, and uh, we've had some amazing times. We've had some times that had some difficult subjects. And just at the outset, we want to just give you guys our heartfelt uh, intention to be transparent, to give the Word of God, to give God's intentions and principles. In no way is there any intention, if, if maybe you've come short in any relationship, to feel this is uh, any light shed on your circumstance. All that we want to do is just be real and talk about God's intentions for us. And so you're going to hear a variety of, of um, uh, stories from us. And um, so that's our heart for tonight. So please, if you don't misunderstand anything that you hear tonight, because that's our intention. But we have uh, an anonymous number you can text to down there at the bottom. You text your question to that number. And if you have our old text messaging service, don't send it to that. That one's not available for us tonight. Send it to this one. We promise you there's no record of any of the things that are going to be said. So it'll go through a, uh, um, up to the upper booth, and they'll send it down to us. So text them in. It can be anything you want. Dating. It can be sex. It can be you name it. Anything goes. So, and it's totally anonymous. So if you hear something in our stories um, and you want to follow up with a question or you have any sort of uh, further understanding you want to ask about what the Bible says about a topic, um, please do that. So we'll give you a second to um, answer or ask any questions you have. So how we're going to do this setup at first is we've asked each couple to share just a brief um, story or, or an exhortation of, of their life, of where they've been with dating relationships and sex and all that stuff. And so they have something that they want to share that's particularly important to them. They have expertise in, so they're going to share that and um, Dave and Kat, do you guys mind going first? Do you want to introduce each who yes. everybody is? Uh, Dave and Kat, all good? Yeah. Why don't you guys have a hand? How long have you been married? A year and a half. The most magnificent year and a half, <laughs> if, if I might add. Getting extra points. We have Chad and Krista. <laughs> How long have you guys married? Three, four. Two years. And they've been the most incredible two years <laughs> of my entire life. Good job, Chad. Uh-oh. It is Valentine's think, Day think, coming think. up. And we're Eric and Camille. We've been married six years. And I have a present. No, I actually don't. It's in the... It's. I have a really awesome Minus present for Valentine's Day. It was really so. great the last six years, and then... <laughs> I didn't know how to follow that up. It's been the best six years of my life, hands like pretending down. Pretending to give me a present. That's uh, how you almost <laughs> fail. I know. Okay. So Dave and Kat are going to share first, and um, would you guys kick it away? Okay. So I'll kick it off here. Um, so a lot of you guys came to the last panel, and for a lot of you, it was probably pretty difficult because. <clears throat> There was a lot of righteous people up here. I mean, a lot of people who waited to have sex until they got married. And that was amazing. I mean, it was just such a testimony to me to, like, see people that could do it, that it's possible, and just to see, like, the amazing relationship that it would build out of that. Unfortunately for yours truly and my fantastic wife, we neither waited for each other nor other people. So it was uh, so it was kind of a rough start. We are we're definitely in the sinners category, and uh, and so we met at a bar in San Francisco, 
You can imagine this is going downhill real fast. I think there's a verse in Galatians or something that, like, neither the uh, sexual immoral, the debauchery, we hit, like, five of those all in one night. It was bad. So um, the next weekend, we actually slept together, and... um, (laughs) Oh, this is going great. So... (laughs) So the thing was, my wife and I, or my girlfriend and I, we were sleeping together. We were soon to be engaged a year later. We're still sleeping together, and everything felt so right. I was completely committed to this woman. Like, this is all I wanted. I mean, and and it just, it felt pure, and I mean, I actually wanted to spend time with her afterwards. Like, I just (laughs) didn't want to leave, and I mean, it, it just felt right. But the problem is there was something working in my heart. And, um, you know, I, I've been a Christian my whole life, but I went on a, you know, good six-year hiatus through college. Um, some of you might know what I'm talking about. There is forgiveness. Trust me. I'm in front of you guys saying there's a lot of forgiveness. So I was in a Bible study at the time, and I decided to actually bring this up to the Bible study and said, well, look, it, I'm, I've been sleeping with my fiancé for the last year or so. Um, I don't know what to do. And so they really, really helped me. First, the Bible is pretty clear on, um, on sex before marriage. Don't do it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's <in a> lo- <laughs> um, but, so, but really, I mean, there, that, that didn't push me that, fo- that far in my heart to really stop. But it was the other things that they said, like, you reap what you sow. That's uh, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what one sows, that he will also reap. And so it, there's, there's this sense that I was just sowing a bad seed into our relationship by, by doing this. And so, well, I mean, that's one thing. And another one is, uh, this is the big thing that really hit my heart, was God blesses those who keep his commands. Um, that's John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he's the one that loves me, and whoever loves me is loved by the Father. And that, that's amazing. I mean, I, I don't know what blessings that I would have missed out on, but, I mean, I can tell you right now, like, my relationship now is amazing. And I don't know if it would have been like that if we didn't stop or if we did other things, but... Um, but he will bless you if you take that step out into faith. And, I mean, for me, this was a huge act of trust. I mean, the world tells you the complete opposite. It tells you if it feels good, go do it. If it's not hurting anybody, you're already committed. You're already going to get married. Why not start early? Or, and, you know, that made sense to me. I, all of this made sense. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, trust, um, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So don't do what you think. Do what God wants you to do. And, um, and another one is, we were, this would be such a powerful witness to other people if we were to say, like, yeah, you know what? We're going to stay in different rooms in this house. And people are like, wait, why? Why would you do that? It's like, well, we kind of aren't sleeping together anymore, and it's really horrible, so I can't be around her at nighttime. And so, and it was just a great witness to other people. It's like, well, what does that mean? Why would you do such a crazy thing? 
And so uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, meaning there's all these people around that's, that are watching what you're doing, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's sexual sin, so easily entangles. And, um, and so those were all things that powerful. And then another thing was just starting off our marriage on the right track. Like I had, you know, we both had bad histories and bad pasts and things where we screwed up on. I mean, this was our chance to like, hey, I'm going to start this marriage. I want to start it right. Now, I would love to stand up before you guys and say that, oh, great, Kat and I just prayed together and all of a sudden everything was good. I, you know, didn't have any problems. But that wasn't by far <laughs> the reality. It was absolutely horrible. It was absolutely difficult. And we needed a ton, a ton of help doing this. I mean, I had a support system every time I saw Catherine that I had, like, three guys back home texting me every minute, making sure that, you know, I wasn't naked. And, um, and that, was, that was really helpful. That was really tough, though. Another one is uh, we just, it was hard because we were hanging out late at night. And what, ha- I mean, nothing good happens at nighttime. Seriously, I don't doubt that. And then um, a big one is we couldn't drink at all around. I mean, we met at a bar, so obviously we were drink. And Kat was definitely drinking quite heavily at the time. That's... How I roped her in. <laughs> but, um, but we couldn't, you know, I couldn't have a glass of wine when I was around her because, I mean, that was, uh, I, I mean, she's hot enough, but, I mean, after that, it's, it's all downhill from there. So I just, I encourage you, it's possible. It is horribly difficult. It's horribly painful. And you go, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And you just have to keep all of those things on the top of your head. God's going to bless you. God's going to heal you. He's going to work in your relationship in that. You're going to be a witness for other people by doing this. And this is just a complete act of trust that you can do, that you can really put your faith into him. So, Kat, do you have anything to add? She was kind of part of the conversation, so (laughs) she might have something to say. Um, Well, Dave hit on a lot of our relationship, and I kind of wanted to hit on Um, how I was before I met Dave, before I was a Christian. Dave really led me um, to really walk um, in the path of Christ, and he is the one that turned me um, to be a Christian. And so for that, like the Bible says, you know, the husband leads the wife, and it's not a a submissive thing. It's more of a, no, the husband leads the family to walk with Christ, and he really has um, accepted that role with the two of us. Um, and that's really, I think, what has helped our marriage. Um, but before I was a Christian, um, so I'm, these are where all the good stories start. <laughs> confessions. So. <laughs> Confession. So I'm four years older than Dave, which um, leads a little bit of time to date, for better or for worse. Um, and two years before I met Dave, I ended a five-year relationship. Um, we had met in college and dated through college, and um, our senior year, we found out that we were, um, got accepted to the same school for graduate school, and I thought, this is perfect, this is meant to be, this is like a sign, this is just, you know, validation for we're supposed to be together, um, but it was just so false, um, and so we decided 
um, to move in together when we moved to San Francisco for graduate school. Um, because really, like, we had unofficially been living together uh, while we were dating in college. And so we were like, well, it just kind of makes sense to live together. Um, we had a great time together, and we're comfortable, and it was really convenient. And we figured as poor grad students, it would save money on rent. Um, so we made that decision together. And it really left a lot um, lacking in the relationship. And I really just felt the relationship become stagnant. Um, and as, as hard, it was probably one of the most hardest decisions to this date to decide to break up with him. Um, it was probably, because it was fine. Like, there was nothing really wrong with the Like, we weren't fighting, we weren't arguing. But um, I just knew that he wasn't the one for me. Um, and that living together really just kind of blinded me to how destructive the relationship was, was becoming. Um, and so <sighs> breaking up with him was really one of the hardest decisions, but one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Um, and so we lived together for two years. Um, it was comfortable, and it was convenient, and it was kind of nice to have someone to come home to every day. Um, but really, like, when I decided to break it off, like, I was scared, and I felt completely vulnerable, and um, I felt really sad that I was just kind of giving up on this relationship of five years, and scared of the unknown, and starting a career, and um, just kind of having the mentality of, how am I ever going to find a husband now? You know, like, you're supposed to find your husband in college, right? And then get married and have kids after that. And it's supposed to be that simple, but um, it really wasn't. And so living together, I mean, it's always easy to see it in hindsight. Um, but living together is full of lies and deceit and myths. Um, and it's kind of like when you're in the situation and you're in the moment and you're living in there, you think it's great and it's fun and it's comfortable and why not? And it's a deeper like, oh, this will bond us and make us more committed to each other and you just kind of feel a deeper sense of commitment. But really what's happening in actuality is that it's more of an, more of an anti-commitment um, because he or she is getting what she wants and... There's no, like, she's, there's always an out. Like, oh, this isn't working out. I'm going to move out. Um, and so it's really, to decide to live together, I think, I feel, in my own experience and in friends' experience, it's really a death of a relationship. Um, you get really comfortable with each other and things are fine, but you just get so blinded by how unhealthy and how destructive it really is. Um, you And... I'm sure you guys have heard, I mean, you hear excuses from all over the map from cohabitating couples of, like, well, you know, reasons why they're not married yet. And it's like, oh, well, you know, like, I don't want to get married until I finish with school. And that was one of my excuses. Or I don't want to get married until I have this much money saved up. Or I don't want to get married until I finish the bar. Or I pass this test. Or um, I don't want to get married until I have enough money saved up for the wedding. Like, all these excuses... 
And really, like, they're just excuses of why you don't want to marry the person. Um, and you're essentially, like, using those reasons to really um, postpone the inevitable, which is breaking up and being single again. Um, you hear arguments for wanting to live together before being married. Um, some of the things that I am guilty of myself, um, it's just I won't marry someone unless I know I can stand to live with them. Um, or it's just the next step to marriage, which is incredibly saddling, saddening just from the perspective I have now of what marriage is really like. Um, and those excuses and those reasons and arguments are just, I feel, just reasons based on fear and insecurities um, and weakness. And um, when I was in that relationship, I just, I, that's what I saw in marriage. It's just like, oh, it's the next step. Like, you're dating, you move in together. You, if you like it and it's fun, then you just kind of move on to the next, and, which is marriage. And that is incredibly disheartening because now, like after meeting Dave, he has completely reframed my idea and my, what I want in a marriage, which is no, like, you don't get married and settle down. You can get married and that's the start of your life. Like, it is so fun and so amazing and so exciting. Um, so in, so I broke up with him and I was single for two years and, um, I did a lot of growing and a lot of growing up in that time. Um, and I really believe God gave me those two years to become confident and independent um, and strong as a woman so that when he gave me Dave, I would be ready. Um, and so that's kind of my testimony. Awesome. All right. We have text messages pouring in, so keep them coming. Um, you guys want to share... Something, and then we'll start in questions. You just have to wait a little bit. It takes. Hello? There we go. Um, we were talking today just about what we'd want to share, and it was kind of cool because when we started matching notes, we were kind of on the same page. Well, mostly on the same page. <laughs> And then we went out for dinner, and then we're not on the same page about something else, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm sure that will come up at some point. Um, one of the things that just stood out in our relationship that we wish that everyone could know um, was that I feel and we both feel so blessed to be with each other because we didn't compromise on anything. Like, I... I had prayed for so long for the right person to come along, but I was also kind of lonely sometimes and I had my days where I was like oh gosh like I'm still single you know and like cry myself to sleep as I'm praying being like God I'm still alone but at the same time I, I had a lot of fun being single and I got to the place where I thought I was going to be single forever and I was okay with that but when Chad came along he surpassed all of my prayers and all of my dreams that for what a man could be in my life and um, just your awesome. Oh. <laughs> um, so I would just say, like, in in short, I'm a lot more condensed, but um, don't don't give up in the waiting, because the waiting period is um, 
it's so essential for you to become who God's prepared you to be, for one. And, um, and it can be so fun. It doesn't have to be like the, I'm single, wah, wah. It's, it can be really fun to be single, and you need to enjoy that time. And I remember thinking, like, when I was single, okay, what's great about this? And I would look around my room and be like, I don't have to share my bed with anybody. And I can just sprawl out on my bed. This is great. And I don't need to share my dresser, you know. And I just kind of think about ways of why this is really cool. And eventually you really are like, I'm fine. This is fine. And then you think, why would I ever want to share my bed with somebody? (laughs) I I enjoy it now. (laughs) Right. Um, But for all of you who are still waiting for that perfect person and you've been praying for a long time and you're wondering if God's heard your prayers, he knows more than you do what you need. And there is that perfect person for you. So when you're in those desperate seasons of being like, I'm lonely, I just want to be with someone, do not give in. Because if I had given in to some of the D-bags that came across my life, I... (laughs) Am I allowed to say that up here? Is that wrong? Okay. Oh, you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple people in the back go like, oh. Um, I I just can't imagine what my life would be like without Chad, and I'm so grateful that... I didn't compromise in that. And really, Chad helped me with that. um, Because there were times when we were in certain situations. For example, I'll tell a story. We went to um, Los Angeles, and we were not together. And I had been very adamant that we were not together, and I do not like you, and just we're friends. We were were with a group of people. We were, yeah. I should have said that. But um, there was a time when it was just him and I, we were in this hotel room, and he gave me a back rub. And he's making the moves, right? And um, just like girls get stimulated through touch. Guys get stimulated visually. And so I'm thinking, I don't like this guy, but this is kind of nice. And after a while, my guard's completely down. And he had, he totally had the opportunity to be like every other guy who had ever been in my life and take advantage of that situation. We're alone in a hotel room, and I probably would have made out with him for sure. And he knew that. Don't take notes on that, guys. Okay? (laughs) Sorry. But he knew that, but being the leader and Christian guy that he was, when the back rub was done and, like, I kind of turned around, he, he even, like, looked at me and just said, I'm just going to hug you. And I was like, what? I want to be like, do you know how this goes? Like, <laughs> this is not the next step. But because of that, it was a pivotal moment because I knew that I could trust myself with him. Even though I couldn't trust me, I could trust me with him. Does that make sense? And so that was one of the pivotal moments, another snippet of how I didn't compromise and how God saved me for for certain situations just for someone like Chad. Fist bump, yeah. (laughs) Bam. Um, Also to add, the nice thing about being patient and waiting for that person is you realize you can be yourself with who God has picked for you. And you don't ever, I can never tell you a moment in our relationship that I felt like I was trying to be something I wasn't. And I really think that that helps in our marriage. There's never a day where you feel like you have to hold up to something. She knows exactly who I am, how I act, how I respond to different things. And it's just been a humongous blessing. And because of that, I think we, we actually don't have, we have one topic that we discuss a lot and I'm, you guys can ask the dinner topic, the dinner topic. It has to do with children so if you guys want to give us insight we both have a different timeline on that but we'll talk about that later um who's winning yeah 
Krista's winning. <laughs> um, but in that, you know, just knowing that God has that person for you, um, recognize if people that are in relationships right now, take a look at your relationship. Do you feel like you can be who you are? Are you trying to be something you're not? Um, and just take a look at that. Take an inventory of who you are and what's going on, and maybe it's time to move on, or maybe that's the person that God has picked for you. So, okay. Let's jump in. Uh, keep them coming, too. So this is the first one, so we won't spend a whole lot of time on each of these, but the first one was, how do you tell a friend you like them without being awkward or losing a friend? Honestly, you just have to do it. Yep. She, we, were, we were friends for a year, and I felt in my heart that she was the one. And if you don't... I know that somebody here may get in trouble for this, but you have to be honest. And if they don't have those same feelings, then you just have to move on. I mean, you have to pray that God will release that from your heart and then move on from there. But you, you can't keep it a secret. You have to talk to her or him. From a girl's perspective, even if she doesn't like you, there's a certain amount of respect that comes if they just man up and say it. Because even when I didn't like Chad, he made it very apparent that he liked me. I, like, prefaced by saying, we're just friends, right? And he manned up and said, actually, I like you a lot. I want to be with you. I think I'm going to marry you one day. And I prefaced with rejection. And there's something about that, even if, <laughs> even if it doesn't turn out well, that there is a certain level of respect that comes if a guy is just like, you know what? I'm going to man up and be honest with you. I think that's hugely credible and shows a level of integrity in a man. Good answer to me. Well, yeah. I, I think, like Chris just saying, I think girls go for confident guys. And it's, it is risky. You can lose a friendship by telling a girl that you like her and she doesn't like you back and it makes things awkward. But that's kind of life. And I think it's way better to live that way than I do feel like people miss out on really awesome relationships because of fear. And the enemy loves that. Like, we have to realize... There is a real enemy out there who's Satan, who doesn't want us to have happy, healthy relationships and wants us to sell out to what society says, just like some of the lies that Kat was telling about how we think about living together and why that's better to get used to someone before you get married. And I feel like it is possible for you to miss out on the person that God wants to have for you because you're not willing to put aside those fears or insecurities or anxieties. I do think, guys, that God could bring the right woman across your path, and you can lose her because you did not put yourself out there. It's a reality. But if we're being prayerful and if our heart's in the right place and we're really seeking God, I don't think God wants us to put us in stupid situations either. So that's how I see it. All right, next question. Is it normal to question your relationship? I think, yeah. Because you want to be in a constant state of self-examination. It's not that you necessarily question um, necessarily like, um, is this the relationship that God wants me in? Maybe like every other second based on how the wind turns. But I think it's, it's a good to continually ask yourself, what is healthy and what's not healthy about this relationship? I'm at a mindset of that I want the best marriage and relationship possible. And so maybe I don't question whether or not 
you know, we're good, but it's like, I want to question every area of our relationship. How can it be better? What ways can it be more healthy? And I think that's a, a healthy mindset to have in relationships that you always want to be continually cultivating and, and examining yourself for the health relationship and its justification. I've broken up with a lot of people um, that, and a lot Don't of brag. Them, I mean, seriously. And a How lot many? of them cared about me. <laughs> and um, the thing is, I would always question the relationship, and like the very next day, it would be over. I mean, because if, you, if you're having doubts, I mean, if, if there's something seriously wrong, like, there is a point that you can fix, but with Catherine, it was ball out of the park. Like, I knew it was right. There was no doubt questioning this. I was all in. And I just, I just really encourage, I'm sorry, this may sound really bad, and I'll take a lot of flack from everyone here, but I really encourage people to break up with, you know, who they're dating. Because you really, you just don't waste the time. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I love being single too much and just, I would go out on a weekend and say, what haven't I ever done before? And let's go do it this weekend. <laughs> But I, I just encourage you to really try, keep looking. And I mean, as sad as that is and as lonely as you're going to find yourself, um, I mean, there's one out there who's amazing. And, and, and seriously, there is. Like, really amazing. And if you can keep that in mind, saying that God has someone for me who's just going to, like, just knock my socks off and say, I'm going to try to build myself into the person that deserves that girl... That's, that's just amazing, like, mentality you can have in your life. Um, next question is, what is the best way to get out of a porn addiction? Accountability is the best way. Um, I would say that I'm pretty blessed in this because I wasn't Christian before, so when you're at parties with guys and stuff, there's pornography and things around, and it's just a norm. So you don't feel that, you don't have that conviction when you're not a Christian before because it just seems standard. And then I became a Christian, and there was like this, well, do you look at porn, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, not really, but I've seen enough. I'm not really in there. And uh, I don't know if you guys know who Jason Harper is. He's part of Triple X Church, and they have a program that you can put on your computer that will email three accountability people and say, hey, he just looked at something that he probably shouldn't be looking at. And I just did that. I did that right away because I didn't want it to become a struggle or something within my life. And as soon as I did that and just talked to people, it's, it's on every computer I have. So, And one of the guys is Jason Harper. And he, I don't know if you know Harper. You don't want him calling you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just that's the best way. Because the things that I've seen with friends that have been involved with porn and come and talk to me about it, it's all secretive. It's all under the table. It's all kind of shady. It's all, it's just secretive. It, and the only way to, to break it is to bring it into the light. But do it with people you trust. Don't just throw it out there. Do it with people you trust. I, I had a huge problem with this one. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so it's, it's something you have to seriously change about yourself. Because you're lusting after another woman. And that's, you know, what, where is it? In Matthew, lusting after another woman, you're committing adultery. Um, and, I mean, 
there's no woman out there that's going to want you looking at that stuff. You're going to have to change it one day in your life, and you should really try to change it early. And so um, for me, it happened when I got married. It just, there was such a transformation in my life that allowed me to break that. And, but but I'm, I'm different. Like, that was, that was really odd. I mean, otherwise, I would definitely say accountability, like Chad said. But just know that, I mean, it is a serious struggle out there. I think it's also important to point out that the struggle is not limited just to guys. Um, I think that's, um, it's, it's important that we talk about this as a struggle for men and women. And I'm a huge fan of being in relationships in which you want to model and emulate the life that you're in relationship with that person. So a mentor or someone who disciples you. And someone that's going to ask you those tough questions that's going to say, you know, hey, can I look at your phone? Can I look at your computer? Or, you know, be the person to set the password on the software or whatever and have a, a weekly um, or even daily update. You know, like sometimes in order to break those addictions, you need to have such an intense relationship with someone who's committed to that. There's another question about uh, ladies. Um, did you guys struggle with porn during your dating relationship? And if so, how did you handle that? And um, if the girls you guys want to respond to that or, or guys or however you guys like, but there was a question about did that come up in the, uh, the process of your dating relationship or, or any time? Um, it did with us to a level. Um, Dave and I were a long-distance relationship, um, San Francisco and Orange County, and so um, he... Sorry, hon. <laughs> um. Oh, let's bring it, hon. There's a good, like, 30% chance I'm sleeping on the couch tonight, too. So let's just, everything, everything, let's do this. I think the thing was that he was extremely honest with porn and masturbation and all of that stuff. And when we decided to abstain, part of that included masturbation and porn and everything, I mean, that you could, I don't know what else there is, but... Uh, but it was but I think the thing is I don't know I was it wasn't something that I was vehemently against I guess I I was that was my pre-Christian days and so I was like well yeah like we're apart and you know like you get horny and so we just like and so (laughs) I, I guess it was something that I was tolerable for um but when we were married, and Dave made a vow to me, just kind of in private, that when we were married, like, it was, that was it. There was no porn, there was no masturbation, it was just he and I. And so, that was something that he's really kept true to his word on, and that's something that, I mean, I mean, when you go from a habit to just one day, like, completely dissolving it all, like, I mean, I'm sure he goes through temptation with it, but he's really... Um, just kept true to our relationship to keep our marriage pure and to keep that temptation and that, like, you know, lusting after a woman on porn um, out of our marriage. And I appreciate that, hon. Um, it wasn't something that Eric and I really struggled with um, because Eric had already made a commitment before I even met him to not be looking at porn, but I will say I did date guys that that was something that, um, you know, well, most guys are really into it, but something that I wasn't even, they didn't even hide it from me. And I will say 
my only little thought on that. And porn isn't a personal struggle for me. I, I unfortunately, I, my first exposure to porn, I was pretty young. Um, but, so I've, I've been exposed to it, but it's not something that has been a personal temptation for me. Um, but I will say if you're in a relationship with a guy that wants to introduce porn into it um, or has no problem showing it to you or whatever, um, that should be a real big red flag. <laughs> and I think that's my only thought on that is I was dating the guy. It scares me. You talk about D-bags. It scares me that the guy that I potentially could easily have married um, before I, the guy I was dating before Eric. Um, Eric, actually, funny story. Before I knew Eric, he's older than Eric, and uh, Eric was his designated driver <laughs> back before I knew Eric. And he was, like, older than me. So anyways, but um, uh, let's not go down that pathway. No, but I will say, like, it frightens me because he, you know, is a, professes to be a Christian with his mouth. We went to church together. And that was something that he introduced to me as kind of something that's very normal. All the guys participate in it. It's really no big deal. And I it honestly didn't didn't have enough clarity to know that that in itself should have been a red flag, um, that he would even be willing to expose me to it. So uh, I think that's just a little yeah. thought on that. And one thing for me is like, one of the things I, I had pushed into me at a pretty influential age in college was to learn about when you're susceptible and to learn with your accountability partners to know, like, these are the circumstances in which I'm going to be more vulnerable and to share that with the people who you do life with that are going to be accountable. And, uh, for example, like, anytime I travel, if I ever am traveling, I always try to have a roommate in a hotel room. And so there's people that will ask, like, and I'll say, hey, you know, something happened. I have a hotel room by myself. And, you know, it's not a struggle that I, I gravitate towards, but I just don't want to be watching Sports Center late trying to go to sleep and come across something and be in temptation. So I'll ask people, like, hey, why don't we talk, you know, around 10.30 my time, and, and let's just talk for a half hour, and then we'll just go straight to bed. You plan for the circumstances in which you're tempted, and so I would suggest that for um, this topic, especially for guys. Well, that's in everything in dating. If you're trying to keep a pure relationship, if you don't plan ahead, you're screwed, literally. I mean, you know... <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like if you, just seriously though, if it's like talking about the late at night stuff and everything, like if we're just going to go on a little drive at one in the morning in the hills, like, come on, like you have to plan ahead or else you are not setting yourself up for success, you know? And, and another thing with that, I mean, um, if your eyes, if your hand sins against you, cut it off. If your eyes sin against you, cut, uh, gouge that out. And if your computer's sinning against you, put it in another room. I mean, you can sacrifice a lot of stuff around you to just to get the temptation out of you and, like, plan ahead. I mean, if, if this is causing a problem, change it. So, um, Moving on. How did God, or how did you know your spouse was the one for you? How did God confirm it? Now, I might dis disagree with most of you guys, and maybe most of you guys, too, is, is I actually don't think that there's one person that is in the world waiting for you to meet. I really think it's up to you, and it's your choice. God didn't promise us that we'd have fruitful dating relationships. Actually, there was, you know, God gave Adam Eve. It wasn't like, hey, come check out these 12 hot girls, and why don't you take your pick? You know, our culture affords us the ability to choose our spouse, and so I really believe that you can either choose poorly, or you can choose well. And uh, so for me, I felt that God had called me. I knew who I was, where I was going, and that he was going to 
give me a, a wisdom about who would be a, a suitable mate that we could share life together with and that would advance God's kingdom in my life and in our life. And honestly, we both would agree that it's, it's possible that we could be married to other people and have okay lives. But I really feel that I had the option and the power to choose, and I am very glad with my choice. I don't think I could have picked any better. I mean, seriously. It's official. So um, that's how I felt. Like, I felt that, that I had lined up who I was and who I was dating, and I felt God had really teed up um, a piece in my heart that this is someone that we'll have a successful life with. I mean, we all know people who chose poorly. I mean, I think the reality you think is... You chose poorly? No, no, I know somebody very close to me. I didn't choose poorly at all. You're looking at me. No, I was looking at everybody. I know, just teasing. Well, I'm just pointing out that you know, you you want to, you know, we all have this thing in our heads where we want to meet our princess or our prince charming, and we're gonna have this amazing marriage and live happily ever after. And then for some reason, it doesn't seem to pan out for most of the people we know, and. I know until I kind of started meeting some really awesome Christian couples, and even them, sometimes you wonder. But anyways, you, you know, I'm sure they wonder about us sometimes. I don't know. But you look out, and, like, my parents or my parents' friends, like, gosh, what went wrong? You know, did they miss out on who was really the right person for them? And so I do think, I mean, and I do, I know there's different ways of thinking that I do think that God puts a person in your life at the right time, and if you're with it and following him, that's the right person for you. But I agree that, like I said, I feel like some people, it's possible to miss up on who God wants for you just because you're dating the wrong person. <laughs> I think that there's just a whole level of peace, too. Like, God, God really um, speaks to your heart and stuff, and you will have a certain level of peace if they're the right one. With Chad, I didn't feel like there was any I love you buts. So I didn't have, like, any of these major red flags, like, I love him, but I'm going to have to put up with a poor spending habit. Or, I love him, but he looks at porn, I'll have to deal with that. I love him, but, oh, man, I really wish that he wouldn't leave his floss out at night. Or whatever it is. You know, because every, the love that I felt for him so overshadowed any minor flaws that they were non-issues. So there wasn't any of these red flags that came up that I was compromising on. It was, I get to marry this person, and I'm so at peace about it, and I cannot wait to do it. It wasn't any of these reservation feelings. Not, with that said, I always would still take inventory of my relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never not aware of how you're doing, and um, I think that that's wise. But if you're thinking about your relationship and you think, wow, he's got a porn addiction, that's one thing. And you can have grace to a certain extent. But if they're not changing, if they're not taking that leadership role in their own lives and walking that out, then, you know, you have to make a choice, too, with whatever that little flaw is or whatever that red flag is. Where, what are you going to compromise on or what are you going to say, I have enough grace and love that this will overshadow that? And that's just where the peace comes in. Krista, there's a follow-up one for you. Okay. Um, which is... I want to talk about that one. All right. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's a big thing about yourself, too. I mean, making, can you make a commitment now that you're going to keep making every single day? I mean, you re- and you really have to do this. There are things that Kat does sometimes that I just go like, oh, my goodness, like, wow. But you've got to <laughs> keep talking. You've got to keep talking to them through all of these little things that you find and all these incompatibilities because you know what? You're never going to find someone who's truly compatible that you guys both log up like Lincoln Logs or something. And you just have to 
you have to be able to talk things through. You have to be able to keep committing yourself over and over again and saying that, you know what? I mean, even if there was someone out there, even if, right now, I will say this, even if there was, if I met the perfect woman for me who is better than Catherine and then I fell in love with more, that doesn't change a damn thing about my relationship because I'm 100% committed to her. For right or for wrong, I'm always going to be committed to her. Wow. Preach it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to follow up any longer. <laughs> uh, there was a follow-up one for Krista that says, if you wait so long, will you get more and more picky? Uh, I definitely was picky. Like, my mom would have these conversations like, oh, honey, just go on a date. <laughs> and, I, and I would be like, oh, I don't like him. Or I don't like that guy either. And she'd be like well, they're never going to be perfect. Like, please, just one of them, any of them, you know, because they all thought I was too picky. But um, the way I looked at it anyway was that I would rather be single than be with some of these people. Not that they were bad. I was really good friends with some of the guys that I met and stuff, but I I was fine. Like, I didn't want to have to put up with any of that. So I was really picky, but it worked out really good for me because it, it set like a bar in my life that I was not going <laughs> to do anything other than really great. <laughs> Can I say something? Sure. I have to say, the one thing is, you know how all the girls have like the list? Like, needs to be this tall, dark hair, you know, needs yeah. to make this much money, like on and on and on. And I will caution because... The person I pictured, like when I was in high school, that I was going to marry, it's the complete opposite of who I marry. Yeah. And it's so much better. And seriously. And so there's definitely, and I'm a very analytical person. And I was, did not start dating Eric for a while because I analyze everything. And I mean, even when, you know, when we were dating and we've been dating for a while, this is not long before we got engaged and I was completely in love with him I am still the kind of person that I'm completely in love with him and I'm still thinking okay would he be a good husband like would he be a good father like thinking questions you should think about like Mm -hmm. does he have a job or will he actually he didn't (laughs) he still kind of doesn't (laughs) um, just heads up on the panel make sure you hold the microphone in the middle oh sorry and um My point being is God can surprise you with the most awesome person if you just keep your eyes open and keep looking to God and asking God, God, I want to be ready for that person you have for me and be open to the fact that he might surprise you with who it is. And God loves to do these kinds of surprises that blow your mind. And I, there were three types of people I was supposed to marry and I didn't marry any of those types. And I think my life is way more fun, uh, because of that. So that's, I thought I'd marry someone petite, (laughs) not a chance. (laughs) All (laughs) righty. She's 5'10". Can you explain being unequally yoked? Uh, scripturally it's, it's referring to uh, being in a relationship with a non-Christian. So I think the principle here, and you can research this in the Bible, is that if you have awareness, if you're a Christian, you should not be dating non-Christians. Um, so if you're already married and one of you guys comes to, to faith in Christ, 
Then the Bible in 1 Corinthians also gives a blueprint for what to kind of do then. There's a lot of scripture based on that. But I think that in the power of the age where we have a choice to date, if, if you're following Jesus, don't line yourself up to date someone who is not following Jesus too. What do you have to talk in common? The weather? Besides that, I mean, your lives are completely going in different directions. You have different value structures. You'll encounter all sorts of things. So scripturally, it's really talking about being uh, um, believers and having your life surrendered into Christ. Um, the next one is... And I took a huge chance with that, dating Catherine and falling in love. I mean, you have a choice on who you can fall in love with. If I just said no and immediately and walked away from Catherine, I would have had a different life. But, I mean, I took a huge chance, and I was so worried about this. I was praying to God, like, I, I just totally made one of the biggest errors that you can by marrying someone who's not Christian, because that's going to, you know, just bring down me. Um, and somehow this could have been one of the blessings, but God just blessed me, and now Kat's sitting on a panel and quoting scripture. It's... it's yeah. You guys have no idea how mind-boggling it is. But you don't recommend it. But I take strongly the <laughs> don't recommend it. And, and I believe that God gives grace there, but I think that, that we have an understanding that God gives a blueprint to help protect us. Um, there is another one that says, Is it forward or wrong for a woman to tell a man she likes him or ask him out on a date? Now, I'll turn this over to you guys to, you guys to answer, but real quick, like we want to raise a culture of men who take the initiative and a choice. We wouldn't be married unless I had a split-second decision to man up and go dance with her. And so I think that, uh, guys, if you want to be in a relationship, like, you better take some initiative, and you better take some chances. Um, and don't do it in a lame, stupid way. Don't do it on Facebook. Don't do it via text message. Don't be awkward. Like, there's, there's ways in which you can not suck at meeting girls. So don't suck at meeting girls, but be decisive and be men of action. Like, it's ridiculous that we would have all these amazing females and they're waiting for guys to, to take the initiative. Like, there's a, a role for spiritual leadership that guys need to take. And uh, so just a little side note there. Now to It's so lame when guys meet a girl, but they're, like, too scared to talk to her in person, but they go home and friend request her. And you know that happens all the time. And it's not... I don't think it's attractive, personally. <laughs> Thank you. I don't. <laughs> I'm going to jump in. Um, I want to go back to the question about, is it okay for you to do that? I think technically, sure, if you want to. Go ahead and be honest. Honesty is always a good thing. However, with that said, there is, being a woman, it's so much better when you have a man pursue you. And I think in the end, and women, you can agree with me or not, but we, we have that romantic bone in our body, and we want a guy to look at us out of the crowd and say, I want that one, and have the balls to do it. And actually just move everyone aside and be like, I don't care about anybody else. I want you, and I'm going to do what it takes to get you. And I've been, I've been the pursuer before, and I think it's kind of a manipulative game that girls can play a lot of times where we can put ourselves in situations where we're with that guy that we like, and be extra flirty and try to get his attention and all that kind of stuff. And then when he likes you, you're kind of like, well, that's over. You know, the challenge yeah. is over. Because you made him like you. He didn't pick you out of the crowd. You made him like you. And he doesn't actually like you. He likes the, the performer of you, the, the good performance. So in my personal experience and the way I feel is I would rather have that guy say, yep, I like her and pursue her. And if he really likes you and hopefully has the guts to do it, he will step out and do that. 
and you could be taking that role away from him by jumping the gun. And can I just say one quick, I know I always have a quick thing to say, but, you know, we're encouraging the guys to step out and, like, pursue girls and be the ones to ask them out. I think we also have to talk to the women because I think, sadly, women in our society have come, have, a lot of women get kind of freaked out by that. And, like, it's too aggressive or, you know, intimidated by it. And I do think that a lot of women are kind of turned off by it. And it's a real kind of, it's a sick thing, you know. It's not healthy. And so I just want to address to the women that if a guy comes and comes up to you and asks you out, A, you don't have to go out with him. And B, you can just say, hey, thanks so much. Like, I'm personally, I'm not interested right now. But, you know, I appreciate you letting me know, or just saying, being polite, being strong, saying how you feel, and also maybe even being open to it. I know when Eric was first asking me out, I wasn't really interested in a boyfriend at all, and I kind of told him that when we first went out, but he kind of pursued me, and I, I'm a pretty strong woman, so I wasn't intimidated by it, but I did let, I did, and I thought, oh, he'd probably be fun, but when we went on our first date, I was kind of like, just let you know, I'm not interested in having a boyfriend, and I laid myself out there too, but I was willing to go out on a date with him and this is where we ended up. So maybe go on a date once in a while too. Even if you're not sure you like him, just going on a date with him doesn't mean you have to marry him. That's my other point. So cool. Kat, who took charge in our in when we met? Yeah, I was a pretty strong independent <laughs> woman. I saw Dave and I thought, I want that. So I definitely pursued but Dave, for the what record... What is that? <laughs> I don't know, but I want it. <laughs> and I was very anti-committal at the time, not looking for a boyfriend. Um, and oh, my I brother talk brings... about the second night so badly. <laughs> my brother brings Dave up to San Francisco, and by the end of the weekend, um, we were like the awkward nice to meet you. It's great. And then he asked for my number in front of my brother. In front of her six foot four <laughs> 220 brother. You get like 10 points for that. Yeah. Are you guys ready for a couple big juicy ones? Oh yeah. I've been waiting for this one. Oh, man. Here come the sex questions. All right. So I'll, I'll give you two of them because they're, they're probably it's a couple more personal ones. The first one is how often do you have sex? And the second one is, do you know if anal sex is healthy? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And everybody kind of like gets one. uncomfortable. Okay. So we'll let that one kind of marinate there. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's go ahead and talk about this. Um, we probably have sex, um, depending on the week, we can have sex five times a week or once, depending on the week. If it's a really busy, crazy week and our schedules are off and he's tired and I'm tired, it doesn't happen. I think he wants to have it to happen every single day. I'm like, I'm the limiting factor. <laughs> but it, it ranges for sure for us anyway, depending on what's going on. Um, we personally haven't done the anal sex thing. And that's just because... <laughs> that a word? Personally, haven't done the anal sex thing. And it's just because we ha we're not comfortable with it. We are very open about exploring things and trying different things. But for whatever reason, just haven't wanted to give that one a go. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. So, 
Oh, I stick man. with the more fun options in my mind. So. <laughs> I, I, well, one thing I want to say on the whole anal sex thing is, um, of course, I'm going to have an opinion. But I remember one of my girlfriends when she got married. Uh, she got married about a year, t- actually about six months after we did. Rachel. But anyway, she's not, she doesn't live here, so you don't know her. Um, her name is Rachel. Anyway, she, Amy names. <laughs> no, she and if you're watching Rachel, we're talking about. But I remember, you. I remember her um, telling me that's terrible. I should not have said that into the microphone. Why don't we talking stop about anal that? sex. But anyways, I remember she told me she's talking about her sex life with her husband, and she's like, you know, I will say we only have good Christian sex, so just good Christian sex. You know, we don't do any of those other things. And I was like, what does that mean? And it really made me realize that there are a lot of Christian marriages that. It's there's there's good sex and there's bad sex, you know. And I don't think any of it is bad um, when it's just the two of you, and God has given you to each other. You are one flesh. Once you're married, you can do whatever you want to do with no porn, you. no porn around. And it's no without introducing anything outside of the two of you. It's sanctified. That's how God created us that way, and He gives us complete freedom. And I don't think. Christian married sex is supposed to be boring or is supposed to be in only one position or something. So that's how I personally, we personally view it is anything's game um, outside of introducing other people. <laughs> There's a first Corinthians six twelve says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I think it's probably a question of um, just because that God says, Hey, it's, you know, as we would probably argue that God invented sex, he invented pleasure, he invented all that stuff, um, it's going to be that all things are permissible, but maybe not all things are going to be beneficial for you. And so gauging that line is where I would... Autoerotic asphyxiation, I mean, come on, you just don't want to go there. <laughs> not my taste. <laughs> uh, any um, other so, thoughts? Uh, so go for, it. for us, and, and I used to think about this all the time, like, oh my goodness, how many times are we going to have it? And, and really... <laughs> Isn't that how it, all guys think? Yeah, but, but here's, here's like the answer. Sexuality, I mean, for me, because I'm really lucky with my spouse, is it's, it's not even like a thing anymore. It's like, why would hunger ever be an issue if you were at a buffet? I mean, you just, you don't think about it because you just, if ever you were hungry, you just go eat at the buffet. And so it's like... It's a totally different mentality. And so, I mean, it, it oh really it changes like I'm never a lot. coming up here. Seriously. The end. The end. That's great. Um, how often do you have sex? I just would say often. I'll leave it at that. Um, but one of the, the guys who disciples me, he will ask me, like, how is your sex life? And he does that not to be... Um, overly personal, but he gauges the health of a marriage based on intimacy factors, and he gauges that you will are you are having a good marriage. You guys are moving on the right path if you're having a healthy sex life, and I totally agree with that. And so I think that the presence of a frequent sex life is very very healthy. Um, ladies, do you physically submit to your husband every time he wants to have sex? Do you ever tell him no? And if so, is that not submitting to him? We're Never. pretty bold in the question. Always a yes. We haven't heard from Chad in a while. I know it's a question for ladies, but maybe Chad can... I, um, I, I do say no sometimes, but I, it's not like I'm saying, like, no, I'm not having sex with you. 
It's like, um, yeah, wa-boom. It's more like the, the opportunity is introduced, and he doesn't force that. Submission is my choice. It's not, he doesn't get to say, you submit. So that, I, there are definitely times when, as a wife, I don't, I'm not in the mood. I just don't feel like it. But I've got to keep in mind that I'm stimulated through his touch. So I've got to be open to that and see where it leads. And every time I've ever just tried, Within a couple minutes, I'm on board, and I'm glad we're doing it. Does that make sense? But there are still those <laughs> no, days. No, clarify that more. <laughs> there are still those days where I'm like, you know what, babe? I'm just so tired, and I have a headache, and I just don't feel like this right now. And he's like, no problem. And it's fine. And it's not, I wouldn't say that that's me not submitting. It's us having a discussion. Because he's not saying, like, I really feel like we need to do this right now. If he was saying that about finances or a vacation or a job change or even if sex, if that even came up where he's like, I just need to do this right now, fine, let's do it. I, I feel like that's more of a submissive conversation, not like, I want you to submit to have sex with me. <laughs> I think a big thing is, uh, this is going to sound really corny, but laying the romance I mean, you still have to do that when you get married. It's not just like, oh, it's uh, 8.35, so on a Tuesday, and that means, all right. <laughs> can, can I leave my socks on, honey? Is it okay? Because the floor's cold out there. Like, you really got to lay the romance. And I mean, oh, there have been times that, like, Cat will take a shower, and I'm like, great, I've got five minutes. I've got to sprint around the house, light some candles, like you know, put some music on in the background, and, and she comes out, and it's just like, oh, wow. And it's just like, do Top you like Top Gun is playing? I don't get this. But, I mean, there's... What are you hinting at? I think there's so much of, of like, with couples... Did electricity go out? I think it's so much with couples that they just, like, expect to have sex when they want to at that time and not think of the other couple and saying, like, I need to start some fires over there. And it, you know, for me to excite Catherine will make me happier. And so, like, you, you really need to take them into account when that happens. Yeah, I think the, the inherent lie that's in that question is that um, sex shouldn't be a selfish thing. It's, it's, a, it's a selfless thing. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you have to gauge in that, but it, it shouldn't always be... Um, just about meeting someone's needs, I think that the attitude maybe in this question would be that the husband, um, if he wants sex on demand, then he should know how to arouse the wife to get sex on demand. And um, so I, I think that there's an, an inherent side of that that says that's like a, a vending machine. And if that's, that's the attitude, then I think that that's a healthy conversation to have about what's wrong in that. And it changes from couple to couple. I mean, I've heard people that, like, have to, you know, do something amazing and you have to know like their love languages so what is it that gets them excited and i've heard people that have to do it days in advance to really you know because their wife has to mull it over in her heart and it just takes that much time to really you know, get her fires uh started so so dave and cat here's another one follow up on you is married sex better than the sex you had before Ooh. Um, to me, we'll Just there's... start with yes, okay, honey? Yeah. <laughs> Whether you mean it or not. Yes. There it is. I need you to mean it, though. <laughs> to me, um, I, 
I think it's better because there's so much more of a freedom when you have sex when you're married. Um, and to me, I think that just... And I think making that vow to each other on our wedding day um, just really solidified like our relationship and also our sexual relationship. Um, and it just became more amazing. It was good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of... I mean, the, a lot of it's just communication. I mean, the fact that now you have someone who you talk to about this, you've done it lots of times, and, I mean, you can just work through any of the things that make you happy, that make her happy, and trying to figure out, like, where those match. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people who have had, like, oh, my goodness, there was this one time in Cabo with this, like, half-Thai chick, and, you, and it's just like, the story goes downhill fast. And, but just know that, like, when you find the right person and you have this level of communication and intimacy and love, I mean, love really has a big play in making love. And so it's just... And, and there, there are times when it's not even good sex. I mean, it's... There's never that many times. But there are times when it's better than others. And there are times... Like, you don't expect, like, off your wedding night to just be, like, you know, Casanova. I mean... It does take time to figure each other out. Um, there's so many good questions, but we know it's late. Um, I think one of the questions that's really good is, what if you screwed things up with the one God has for you? And I think Dave and Kat are a really good testimony to, you know, God has someone for you, and they made a quick, they made a huge dra- drastic change in the direction that the relationship was going and are really reaping the benefits of that. Um, sadly, I do think that there are circumstances where, you know, it it can be permanently devastating what happens to a relationship. And you see that sometimes in marriages where there's affairs or in circumstances where people make really deep mistakes. And you kind of have to come back to the basics of asking God to forgive you, knowing that he does forgive you, knowing that his crucifixion on the cross has paid for every sin in eternity of mankind. But this is also another human being that's involved asking their forgiveness. And then I think the peace comes in knowing that it's then up to the person that you wronged to decide to stay in that relationship and make it different. And if they don't, sadly, you just have to you move on. And there have been amazing stories that I've heard of people that have, you know, cheated on their spouse or done really kind of grievous things, and maybe that relationship has fallen apart and they have deep, deep regrets for it, but God is amazing because he's a total redeemer, and that he has brought new relationships and new things that have brought great joy, and he's really blessed them. So I think nothing is, nothing is that devastating. Like, God is a really an awesome God, and he can just repair what seems like the most horrible situation. And it might not, he might not repair it the way you want it repaired. And I think that's where we screw up as humans is that we look at a situation and we go, God, this is the only way I see out of it. Please, boom, make it happen that way. And that's not really how God works most of the time. And God tends to work in very mysterious ways. And that's where we have to come in as his children, knowing that he's going to take that situation. And if we obey him and we follow him, he will turn it for good. But we have to be okay with how he turns it for good. And it will be good. And uh, that's just kind of a thought on that. And our marriage counselor um, actually divorced his first wife 
it was going south. He just he prayed about it. He wanted to fix it so badly, and they just couldn't fix it. And um, not like I'm condoning divorce or anything like that, but I'm just saying that God has this... You've got to follow him, and he takes you to this place that he, you want to go. I mean, it's just like, yeah, that sounds really cliche and silly, but uh, my our premarital counseling, like, the guy ended up marrying this amazing woman who's just, like, super powerful speaker. And, I mean, there are... Um, there are stories like that where, I mean, you think you screwed it up so badly with your loved one, but maybe it was to, show, to build you up and then put you with someone, that, uh, someone else that God has for mind. Just saying, keep your options open. God's really sneaky and clever. <laughs> uh, just to put a little end point on that is I think uh, a pastor once put it to me that two kids go on top of a hill and they start a little snowball, and they build a snowball, and they push it down a hill, and the, and the ball keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's you know, a house at the bottom of the hill, and they realize the snowball they put in motion is going to go through the house and kill everybody in there, and they fall on their knees and like, Jesus, forgive me. That moment their sins are forgiven, the price is paid for it, but the snowball still goes to the house. There still will be damage. And so we realize that we reap what we sow, and so it's Despite that our pleading with God, it's not always going to be up to us for the consequences of our actions. We need to take responsibility for it and understand that sometimes our decisions will cause consequences that are going to be beyond our control. And it's going to be up to the other person who has their own individual choice with it, too. Uh, Final question. And there's a bunch of uh, individual questions. We encourage you guys afterwards, um, talk to each of us if you want. There's um, some great questions in here about touch, also um, that had to do with about how to not confuse uh, a girl with physical touch and things. So there's a bunch of other good ones in here. Don't touch her. (laughs) Yeah. But I I felt this is a a good one that we should end on. And it says, what boundaries do you put on your current friendships with the opposite sex so you can protect your marriage? What boundaries do you put on your current friendships with the opposite sex so that you can protect your marriage? Um. Every marriage is different in how they do this. Um, Pastor Rick and Kathy are senior pastors here at Capitol. They've made a covenant in their marriage that they will never, ever, ever be alone in a room with someone of the opposite sex. And I remember when he was preaching and telling us that, I sat there thinking, well, that doesn't make sense to me, you know, because that wouldn't be practical. And that's something that they made. They set a really high, really strong boundary for their marriage. And I think it's really awesome. And I think, I don't know if there's a super right, or wrong answer to it because both Eric and I are in professions where we're frequently alone with someone of the opposite sex. But I think it is being very aware of the situation that you're in and relation. If you, it's allowing, not allowing a friendship with someone of the opposite sex to go emotional because at least a lot of times that's how affairs begin is when they start emotional as friends. And so my guy friends generally are Eric's friends and I think I only have a couple, maybe clients I would almost consider friends that are male, but I keep the line really strict. I don't, there's nothing personal, personal lives aren't shared. Um, so I think that's how, to be honest, when you're single, you tend to have ma- mainly single friends. When you're married, you tend to have mainly married friends. And I think it is a healthy way of, you know, allowing yourself to still be friends with people of the opposite sex, but do it in a healthy manner. But we don't really have any strict rules for ourselves personally but it's just us so 
And, and I think this is true for almost any boundary in your life, that any time you lessen a boundary, you're inviting more uh, temptation and more possible sin into it. And the stricter you put your boundaries, the less you're going to have to deal with that. Um, for Catherine and I, I'm just really fortunate that we have no previous history of cheating on each other, and it's never really an issue. And so we've we don't, uh, I mean, we have friends of the opposite sex hang out with us, and that's just fine for us. But, I mean, just know that don't weaken your boundaries, and then also try to think of the other person. For instance, like, if I'm okay with it, but she's not, I, like, that doesn't mean it's okay for me to, like, hang out with, you know, my close friend Lisa or something, because I know that that's hurting her. Um, This is actually a topic that I'm very guarded on, mainly because my dad was extremely unfaithful to my mom, and I saw what that did to the family. So I've actually put some things in place that I don't even, Chris and I really haven't even talked about it, but I do certain things. In my job, a lot of times, I I have a partner that I work with, and it changes frequently, and a lot of times it ends up being a woman or something, and we sit, I mean, this close to each other for like 12 hours, and we do some fun things, and not with each other, but we do some intense. <laughs> a lot of times you do intense things, and you de- and what I do, you debrief, and you have to like joke about it and things like that. But I'll, what I do most of the time is one, I always make sure that they know I'm married, and I never talk poorly of my wife in front of them. I would never say anything negative about my wife, even if we were going through a hard time. I would never seek counsel from them. And then I also tell Krista about them. I tell them hey, this is who I'm working with. I'll probably be working with this partner for the next six months. And a couple of them we've even gotten together with and hung out with, and she's met. But it's just a matter of, one, setting those boundaries in your lifestyle, in your life, and then knowing that, I mean, I love Krista to death, so there was nothing that I would ever want to do to hurt her, and I want her to know everything that's going on in my life. Uh, I think as far as this goes, like, at least for guys... Uh, and I, I only can speak for me, but like my phone, my text, my emails are all property of Camille. And uh, she has all my passwords. She has everything. She can look up anything. And I just, I willingly know that everything's always up for grabs. Um, and I think the question is, how do you, how much do you want to guard that boundary? The object shouldn't be, how close can I be with a friend? I personally don't find any reason that I need to have a, a female friend that is not in proximity either through whether it's one of you guys, Epic Life, or whether it's another married couple, I shouldn't have a close female friend that I'm confiding in. It doesn't happen. Um, I, I have guy friends that support me. Um, there's no reason I need to have any friend book friends with any ex-girlfriends. You're asking for trouble. Like, they're just... What did I say? Friend book? Space book? My space book? My space friends, right? No. Um, you know, things like that, there, there just really isn't any need. I don't see any redeeming value that I should be cultivating one-on-one female relationships with anybody. That's just my attitude. I just don't want it. I don't want the trouble. And uh, I just, I don't want to be in a position that ever something builds momentum to something else. So um, that's, I think, a healthy boundary to say, you know, find out what the absolute for you is and then run from that line. Um, so any last remarks on that panel? I think we're going to be done here. So thank you guys. Can we give our, our guests a hand? And uh, it's late here, so I'll just close it out. Why don't, why don't we all stand? God, we thank you for tonight. 
Lord, we thank you that we can share some laughs, have some awkward stories, get uncomfortable. And uh, Lord, we just know that relationships are important for all of us. And we ask, Lord, that you would partner with us, that you would grow us, that you would give us insight and wisdom in how to do relationships better, to do them well. Lord, that you would have, God, your best for us, and that we'd be listening to you. Lord, may we be responsible with the relationships around us. In the dating relationships and for the marital relationships, we pray just for purity and restoration. We pray for health. We ask anybody in here tonight, Lord, that needs prayer, that needs a touch or an encounter, God, that they would come forward and, Lord, we could have time for um, just praying on each other's behalf about relationships. And I just ask that no one would leave without um, God just bringing those issues to the front if they need to have them. And we just are trusting you for your faithfulness to us, to guide us and to lead us through these times and through these topics. And we praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all the people out there that just with such a difficult and just troublesome uh, sexuality that can go so bad um, that you made so good that in the times that people just have such difficulty with this, that I pray that you'd be with them, that you'd let them show that there's a better way out there. And for those people that have just been so hurt by this, God, I just I pray that you continue working their heart and that you give them uh, 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 just a full heart to continue loving other people. God, I just pray for all the second chances out there, and I pray for all the people that have screwed up but just want to follow in your footsteps, God, and just... Please, please heal people and just help them and just be with all of us in, in this really difficult and lustful world that we live in. In your name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, we have a, a topic next week. We're going to talk about the intimacy of God as it relates to sex and relates to relationships. I follow up to this. So uh, be sure to see you guys next week. And let me know if you have requests for journals or all that stuff. So have a great evening. We'll talk to you guys next week.